0: Oh, my name is Todd Adams. This
1: is Kathy Adams.
0: Welcome back. Zen Parenting Radio. This is a uh, Conversations with People We Love yes. session. And we have Dan and Aaron McCarthy with us. Yes. And I met Aaron a long time ago. This is my first time I met Dan, but I still love him.
1: Do you? I do. Good. He's in.
0: I do. So um, why don't you start out and say, why did we choose to have Dan and Aaron on our show?
1: Well, actually, it's funny that they're, they're doing this now because I had just been thinking about them to have them as guests. Erin um, and Dan, their daughter, Maddie, who is four, correct? Right. Yep. She is a survivor of leukemia. And I love saying that word because Erin had just put a post up on Facebook. How long ago, Erin? Uh, it was mid-January. Mid-January, saying those very words, mm-hmm. that she was done with chemo and that she was now a survivor of leukemia and they, Aaron and Dan have been through, um, Helen back. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. two, how long guys, two years, 26 months. Yep. <laughs> Who's counting? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 26 months of, um, of dealing with this disease and um, helping Maddie through it. And the most important part was that Maddie was, how old was she, Dan, when she was diagnosed?
2: 22 months.
1: 22 months. Yeah. And what you guys just told me, last time I was at your house, that she had been on chemo longer than she had been alive. At the time of diagnosis. Yes. At the time of diagnosis. That's crazy, um, isn't it? Yeah, Crazy. <laughs> so it's almost like you're getting to know your daughter in a different way now. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So I kind of want to begin at the beginning. So do
1: you like to begin at the beginning?
0: That's a James Lipton line (laughs) from inside the actress. Is it really? Let's begin at the beginning. (laughs) Uh, Okay. But I'm not going to go that far back because usually you ask them where they're from. I'm not going to ask you where you're from. You took pictures of us like two or three weeks before the diagnosis. Oh,
1: that's right.
0: Or maybe it was less than no, that. No, we
1: had just, Aaron and I had just traveled to Santa Fe yeah. With, yeah. So with our book club, our yeah. kind of non-book club, we just hang out Yeah club. It's, <laughs> it's, a morphed,
2: pro- it's morphed into a wine club. It, it exactly. So it's
1: wine, let's place. spend the night at Aaron's house club. <laughs> yeah. um, so we had just gone on a, what, a weekend trip, mm-hmm. and then a week later, Aaron came over and took
3: some pictures, mm-hmm. and then... Because she's
0: a professional she photographer. She is. So Are you still?
3: I am, well, yes. What's your website? it is www.ekmphotography.com so if
0: you're in the Chicagoland area and you need a photographer call Erin up she's awesome
3: yeah. my whole house is filled with her
1: pictures that's, that was a plug we weren't intending I to know, do it, but know, thanks, I appreciate was, it yes, I'm glad we did um, so, and then it, this is a moment like a, a moment I'll never forget in my life I was out hey, that's Maddie Maddie's here hi Maddie
3: we're talking about you little woman <laughs> speak of the devil. it's a microphone can you say hi? Can you say? Can you say your favorite thing to say about leukemia into the microphone,
2: Maddie? What do you think about leukemia? Leukemia. Can you say
3: it loud. Say it really loud. Sucks. Oh. Leukemia sucks. Leukemia, leukemia sucks. sucks. That's Maddie's motto. Thank you, Maddie, <laughs> yeah. for sharing
1: that. That's we needed to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was actually out with some friends. And we we were out late and it was like midnight or one mm-hmm. and it's not, I'm not usually up that late. And I looked at my phone and there was a text from Aaron mm-hmm. saying, I'm at the hospital. They think Maddie has leukemia. Mm-hmm. And it was like one of those moments in time where I was like, Oh my God. Like I couldn't even, you know, I had to go home right away. I had to, it, it was, and I'm talking about me. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine what you guys were experiencing. So let's start there the night.
3: Tell oh, us about gosh. that. <clears throat> well, So diagnosis day or the day we we first thought she might have leukemia was Saturday, November 12th, 2011, right? Do I have that right? You do. Okay. Um, Maddie had been sick for a few days, like pretty high fever, very lethargic. um, I can't remember what else. A couple other symptoms, cough maybe, I don't know. Um, And she was my second child, and I just thought, She's got a virus. Right. I'm not going to rush her into the pediatrician. You know, she's going to get over this. Saturday morning, she she sort of stopped walking. She was, um, she was crying a lot. I, I barely could wake her up. I mean, she just was completely knocked out. So I said to Dan, I'm like, you know what? I think I better just take her in. I'm sure it's going to be nothing, but let's just check on her. So took her into the pediatrician. Dan took Daniel to a park, and I took her by myself. And we got to see the head of the practice. He was working that day. And I swear he took one look at her and he knew what was going on. How? What? Explain that. She was incredibly pale. White as a ghost. She had a couple little marks on her face, which we have since come to find out is called petechiae, which is a symptom of leukemia. It's like little broken blood vessels, I think. Um, and he, he just kind of knew he did an exam he said, "We we got to do some blood work." He did a CBC. He came back into the room. He said, "She's severely anemic." I said, "Great. Let's let's work on her diet. She, the kid needs to eat some more hamburgers." You don't understand. This is this is serious. This is not normal. We have to find out what's causing this anemia. I want you to go over to Children's. I'm going to call them. They're going to be expecting you. You need to go right away.
0: Children's Memorial Hospital.
3: Children's mm-hmm. Memorial Hospital in Chicago. And I I said, well what do what you what could this be you know and he said well
0: oh boy.
3: it could be a lot of things but one of the things that it could be is is leukemia and i was like what mm. <laughs> i mean this it was it was the last thing i was expecting to hear and he said you know maybe not there are certain viruses that can present this way you know whatever but you need to go find out so I called Dan, and I said, get Daniel. We're going to the hospital right away. And Dan's like, what are you talking about?
1: <laughs> so did she say to you it could be leukemia? Or did she just did. say? She did, yeah. And you said? I just
2: wasn't. I just was mad. I was mad. I didn't believe it. This couldn't be fine. Doctors being yeah, silly. Yeah, it's unreasonable. Uh, but if they want us to go in, fine. I'll meet you there. You know, right. we were, I was at the park with my son. And right. Yeah.
3: On an average On day. On a
2: Saturday. And right. I'm thinking, this isn't what I woke up expecting right. to do today, you know. and But.
3: Well, I think Dan's tendency is to think that doctors maybe overreact, and mm. he's like, this is a waste of time. We're going to go spend eight hours at this hospital, and they're going to tell us she's got a virus or mm. something, right? Right. Well, we get there, and it was like they took us into a room right away.
2: Wow. Yeah, they were they were waiting for us.
3: They were waiting. Everyone is at the door. Hello, McCarthy's. Yeah, I yes. yes. felt that way. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did
0: her. you start getting kind of frazzled just in that moment?
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And... Um, one of the things that was such a blessing for us through this whole experience was that at the time our next door neighbor was a pediatric oncologist. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> Talk about universe. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we were absolutely destined to live next door to this woman. Um, and we'd known her for a couple of years at the time and we would always ask her a little bit about her job, but we always thought we don't really want to know, mm. you know, like that's not our How world. How was your day? Right. But I cannot even fathom. I can't picture where you work. I can't think about. You can't go there emotionally. I mm. cannot go there. So when they started saying this might be leukemia, we called her immediately, and she was. She's just been amazing. She's really held our hands through the whole thing. Um, Did she work at Children's? Yes. She still oh my does. gosh. Yeah. Yes. Yes, wow. Dr. Jennifer Rycheck, we love you. <laughs> Good. Um, anyway, so... So they bring you into the room. Yep, they start doing all kinds of tests, blood work. And, I mean, I think they must have repeated that blood work many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were in there for hours. It was hours, yeah. Hours. And, um, you know, they, they've ultimately... Um, Maddie was like... She was fast asleep in my arms. I mean, we just could not wake up this child. She was so, so sick. Um, and then they they came into the room.
2: Yeah, you have this, they kept coming and going all day and asking questions and taking blood and this, that, and the other thing. And everyone was alluding that they thought this might be what it was. But there was this moment at the, it was late. It was very late at night. And there was this moment where the door opened and there, it was like a whole team of doctors mm-hmm. came in at once, you know, five or six doctors. And I remember Aaron and I just looked at each other like, this is not good. I mean, mm-hmm. they don't send yeah. five or six people to tell you good news. I started
3: right. shaking uncontrollably. Oh my gosh. Immediately. Yeah. Um, was
2: Daniel with you the whole time? Yes. Your son? Yeah. Yes. In fact, the the doctor said when they when this team walked in, they said, "Would you like? You know, we need to talk, and would you like us to have somebody take your son?" And we who know? How do you answer that question? Right, I don't know. Right? I don't I,
3: know. What are you going to tell me?
2: I just my first thought was, "Do you know what? He's part of our family. He's he's here. He's whatever you have to say, he can. You know, he can participate in." And gosh, I hope that was the right decision. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, absolutely. but I think it was. So you know. Was.
3: Um, yeah, so we, we kind of made a decision on the spot that, that like he had to be a part of this. Um, and I I think it was the right decision. I think that this whole experience has changed him so much and for the better. But anyway, as they, as they sat down in the room and they started to say, and you know, they still actually didn't give us the official diagnosis. They said, she's going to, she's going to be admitted. We're going to take her to the oncology floor. You're going to have to, she's going to have to have, it was a Saturday. So. We had to actually wait until Monday to get the official diagnosis because they needed to do a bone marrow biopsy to officially say this is this is cancer. I mean they basically said, yes it's cancer, but we're not gonna tell you that until Monday. Right. So um anyway, so you know, I was in that room just shaking uncontrollably and just I burst into tears and Daniel says to me, he says, Mama, I have something for you. Was he four? He was four at the time. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, what's that, honey? And he came running over to me, and he said, it's a hug. Wow. Oh, jeez. You know? And he was little, and I mean, that, it just broke my heart. Anyway, they took us upstairs. Um, they got us a room, and she started, I think she started chemo. Sunday. That's next day. She started chemo on Sunday. She, oh yeah. Well, the first thing they did was they had to give her a blood transfusion <clears> because she was so weak, and her blood count was so off that, that as soon as we got admitted, she had a blood transfusion, and that was really a big mind hurdle to get over mm-hmm. wouldn't you because say
2: what tell me well i mean I, for me it's because you have this tiny little baby right i mean mm-hmm. she was not even two years old and it's it, immediately they're just starting to work on her like she's a car or something mm-hmm. you know and, and so they're they're putting blood in and taking blood out and you just feel like they're taking this perfect little person this perfect little body yeah. and they're just messing it up they're, it, they're turning her into a chemistry yeah. experiment you know mm. but thank god they do it right, right. um it's just that it's just really hard to get your mind around why are they doing it i mean i i even remember they said we're we're going to start chemo first thing in the morning and i remember thinking no we, we no we need to talk about this we need to think about it we need to understand our options and the doctor said you there is no option you know your daughter is going to die mm-hmm. if we, these are the treatments that we have and we have to start doing this but
1: did just, they use that sentence with you did they say that cuz that's that's another thing the
3: words are so with kids I don't think they used those words, but from what we understand, just sort of on our own, it's, it's fatal within like two months if you don't treat it. Mm. Oh my gosh. Okay. I didn't know that information. And, and going back to, I think this is an interesting thing. The, the reason she couldn't walk was because the the cancer cells in her blood and her bone marrow were expanding so quickly and so rapidly that they were crowding out her bones mm. her bones were essentially expanding, so she was in so much pain that she couldn't walk she couldn't move hmm. so so you know when we really thought about it, I mean we were kind of on rote, I guess you know we were just kind of going through the motions, but I mean chemo had to happen because she was so sick, she felt so bad
1: so and question for you guys. I have heard that because children, you know, their, their cells are turning over all the time that cancer can spread faster, Mm. but we also know, see, I don't even know if that's true. I'm asking Mm. you guys, but I've also heard it's easier to treat in children. So those things seem paradoxical. They don't seem like Mm -hmm. they fit together. What, what is the, you know, what is, you can tell us a little more about the success rate of leukemia. Like what, Mm -hmm. what did they tell you going in? Did they say, we're going to do this chemo and it's going to be okay?
2: Yeah, I remember – I don't know the the answer to the first part of your question, Mm -hmm. um, but I do know as it relates to the second part that um, the survival rate for children now is extremely high. And I remember they told us that right away. They said, look, it's going to be brutal. It's going to be a a horrendous couple years, but your daughter with all the luck and and all the treatment will have something around, I believe, like a 90 90. to 95% survival rate.
3: But we do need to say that that, – when they first told us, yes, this looks like leukemia, they said, we have to find out what type because there mm-hmm. are different types. And Maddie, right. fortunately, has what's called ALL acute lymphoblastic leukemia. There's another type of leukemia called AML. I think there are several kinds. Mm-hmm. She happens to have the most curable or had the most curable at, form.
0: At what point did you get that information? Was it Saturday, it was Sunday? It Monday. Monday. It was mm-hmm. the 14th. So that was so. It, it's so weird because you went from playing with your son at the park on Saturday to being completely devastated later that day mm-hmm. and on Sunday. And then on Monday,
2: you kind of get this weirdly good news right. that it's only... We, we were high-fiving on oh, yeah. Monday in the hospital room. God. And 48 hours before, yeah. we had never even heard of... You know, leukemia. Yeah. And, and it is amazing what uh-huh. you just describe of this roller coaster of bad news to somewhat good news.
0: Did you know going in that they were gonna tell you on Monday which kind it was? Did they like explain this is a good kind, this is a bad kind, and we're gonna let you know?
3: Basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And and God bless yeah, so. our neighbor Jen, she she actually was out of town when this was all happening, but she was on the phone with us while we were in the emergency room and the first thing she said to me was she said Aaron, you have to know she's going to grow up. She's going to get married. She's going to have babies. She's going to do all the things that you always expected that she would do, mm. you know? And so that helped a lot. Well, it gave you, it
1: gave you a vision that as they said to you guys that this is going to be a hell of a two years, mm-hmm. but it's just two years. You're just going through it. You're not heading into a brick wall. Yeah. You needed to see the light at the other end mm-hmm. of the tunnel. Right. Um, absolutely. So, So there, I don't know which direction to go here because there's like a million things I want to ask, but how about telling your family,
3: we called them immediately on Saturday. We called them on Saturday. I think Dan's parents flew out right away.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: I think they got on like the next plane so that they could take care of Daniel. Um, yeah. And, and my parents came, I think shortly after that. I don't know. It was surreal, surreal. I, I do even remember I, who I made the call. Did you, it.
2: did you call your parents and you called your
0: parents? I
3: believe so.
2: Yeah. I remember, I certainly remember talking to mine and I remember you, you spoke to your family. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And
1: yeah. then what, what changed like in your own home? Like did, did you have to stop doing what you were doing? Did everything come to a halt? Like as far as her treatment, like for people who haven't experienced something like this, like were you at the hospital every day? What, what did it look like?
3: In the beginning, we were. Um, they gave us what's called a roadmap. I mean, it's all completely, um, you know. Structured? Structured. Yeah. mapped and out yeah. mapped to the out. day.
2: I mean, if you got wow. diagnosed on a Saturday, then you're doing this on Tuesday and this on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And wow.
3: The first nine months were very intense, um, hardcore medicines. They pound these kids to get rid of the cancer. Um, and then after that, she went into what's called long-term maintenance, which is... She would only go in once a month for for sort of like IV type chemo. She was on chemo pills every day at home, but it got a little easier in in maintenance. But in the beginning, it's interesting, these kids actually, a lot of them go into remission within a month because they just pound.
2: Wow. Yeah, the the chemo is so aggressive and so intense that they want to get the kids into remission as soon as possible. And then basically, they just keep going, Mm -hmm. you know, for a couple of years because they know based on obviously the research that that's. So you said sometimes these little people
0: are in remission a month after, mm-hmm. how long did it take Maddie to get into remission? It
3: was about a month.
0: Oh really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that quickly, cause I remember getting the updates from you on Facebook and mm-hmm. you know, there were these long emails that were heart wrenching and you know, minor successes. And then all of a sudden you take three steps back mm-hmm. and I didn't, I, maybe I just wasn't following it as closely, but I didn't know that she technically was a remission only 30 days after I thought yeah. like, I don't know.
3: Well, the interesting thing we had many, many ups and downs throughout her treatment, but it all related to the treatment. You know, it wasn't really the cancer so much as mm. it was the medicine she was on. Cause it was hardcore stuff. And Maddie had an intravenous port, which is how she received her chemo. Um, a little plastic device that was surgically implanted into her chest. Um, and when you have a port like that, there's always a risk of infection. Mm-hmm. So for the 26 months that she was on treatment, anytime she got a fever over like 101, we had to go to the emergency room. Right. Because had to make sure she didn't have some kind of a blood infection. Right. Because sometimes that's more serious than the cancer, you know? And um, so we had to really be careful with that. So we, we spent countless nights in yeah. the ER. And then they were always watching her blood counts. If her white cell count got too low and she was considered what's called neutropenic, she had to be admitted to the hospital. What's, um, what's the definition of that? Just low white blood low cell count? Low white blood okay. count. I believe it was 1,000 or less. And I don't even know. I wish I had the, the statistics and the numbers on what's a normal white blood count right. that you or I would have. Um, but hers was always very, very low. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't do
1: treatment sometimes, I remember, because it was low. So you guys would have to go back and wait and hope that it would go back up.
3: Right. And Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, at the time, that was so devastating to us. Anytime she was delayed because we felt like we have to keep going. She's got to get this medicine. But now, you know, she's she's doing great. And now I feel like those things maybe weren't. It's such a big deal.
2: I don't know. But to answer your question, I think, you know, the original question about how was it, it it was really all consuming because it became, um, it it was so frequently throughout the week that we were literally building our weeks. I mean, we'd sit down on Sunday night and say, okay, we've got to be at the hospital Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday this week. So who, you know, how are we going to get Daniel to school and work and, you know, this balance of having this introduced into your life and into your marriage was really Pretty intense for those first six or eight months,
1: that was know. actually going to be my question is like to go through each of you like what how did you manage Dan like as a dad? how did you go back to work and do your thing like what was your the language Todd and I use on the show a lot is practicing self care like how did you take care of yourself and manage this, mm-hmm. and then obviously, I want to hear about Aaron and Daniel too
2: sure yeah it's I, you know the whole experience from the very beginning is really humbling you know as a man mm-hmm. because it's a, it's a sort of a macho thing. You want to take care of your family. You want to make sure everyone's fine and and provide for them and so on and so forth. And all of a sudden this is, you have something that's completely out of your control introduced into your daily life and in my daily life. And, um, it was really hard to, to deal with, but, um, you know, we, we went through such a range of emotions, particularly as it relates to, to job and, um, where we live even. I mean, I was thinking, am I gonna have to get a new job because this is all consuming and am I gonna be able to, balance both things. And should we continue to live in Chicago because we don't have family here? And there's all these questions that you, that we were never even thinking about that, that came up. So, but you know, we just really relied on each other. I mean, we, mm. we just held each other up, you know, and I, I don't know how else to, to say that we would have gotten through it. Yeah. You know? um, does so that answer your
0: question? It does.
1: And like, was there a back and forth? Did you have the bad days and Aaron would just take care of you and she would have the bad days and you would take care of her?
0: How often did you both have really bad? Days? <laughs> yeah,
1: there had to be some <laughs> bad ones. There were a
0: lot of bad ones, yeah. Because marriage and family is tough without cancer, mm-hmm. so I can only imagine. Like, there's times when I'm grumpy of something that's I, I, I'm not even courageous enough to bring it up because it's so silly mm-hmm. compared to what you both went through. But like, you know, I'll come home from a bad day and all of a sudden. You know, I'm grumpy and Kathy and I are not, you know,
1: we're arguing we're, about it. Yeah, yeah.
0: We're just not connecting.
2: You know what I think, Todd, which was really interesting for me is it took a heck of a lot more for me to get grumpy. Yeah. After mm. it happened, you mm. know, because I would have those days like you described and something would happen to me at work, or something would happen to me on the drive home. Mm-hmm. And it would have, a month ago, it would have made me crazy. Yeah. You know, and but after this happened, Whatever. it was
1: just oh. so no. So it gave big you a deal.
2: perspective on life that you did not have before. I think that's right.
1: Yeah. I, ha-
3: I have an, a good example. Um, I'm not the best driver. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Most bad drivers don't admit they're bad drivers. It's so. a great leader. Yeah. yeah. I can admit
3: it. Um, I, I was back in the car into the garage and I, I hit the wall of the garage, you know, and I put this huge dent in the car and six months prior, Dan would have gone through the roof. And I was so nervous about telling him this was like, shortly after maddie was diagnosed which is probably why i hit the wall because i wasn't paying attention i was there i was thinking about something else and um he came home from work and i said babe i I have something to tell you i i kind of crashed the car today and he he went out to the garage and he took a look and he goes i have a daughter with cancer (laughs) I, uh, i don't care about the car you know so yeah it it really helped us i think um with our perspective and I don't know. We had we had bad days, but you know, we also just we were going through the motions a lot. You know, we had to just be strong, and we. There were days when I don't think we even thought about it. We were just so busy making mm-hmm. sure she had the right pills. Yeah, it
2: became like part it was of a the job. job. You know, yeah. and it's just taking, something you care, had to taking go care through. Care of her
1: was a job for sure. Yeah, um, chronically ill. If it'd be a parent. Or if it be a child or, you know, someone in the family, that becomes what you do for a living. I mean, besides your other what you're doing for a living Mm -hmm. and that you have to stay. You don't have a choice but to stay on top of it.
3: Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, like we became so much closer as a nuclear family because it was the only time in our lives up until that point where we sort of had permission to like not do anything else totally you know we mm-hmm. we did we canceled plans we didn't go on trips we we just stayed home and we took care of each other and it, that was actually really kind of nice mm. you know well and
1: it's like what you said you you know sometimes when we have all these obligations and things we think we're supposed to do or should do Not only do you not care if you crash a car, those shoulds fall away. You're like, if I don't want to go out tonight, Mm -hmm. I'm not going out tonight. Mm -hmm. There's no more worrying about what people think. This is my reality. Yeah. You know? So, Erin, so, you know, again, we kind of discussed this, but what did you do to take care of yourself? What did you do?
3: I don't know that I did a whole lot. You know, I mean, I was so focused on caring for her, and it probably wasn't until she hit maintenance that I was able to kind of let it go and start doing things to take care of myself.
0: How long until maintenance from diagnosis? Um,
3: it was 9, nine months. Eight, 8
0: months, yeah. So for 8 or 9 months you basically gave every single ounce of energy you, you had to your daughter and your son and a little bit to your husband and nothing I, for yourself.
3: Pretty much.
0: And and you, know? you didn't have a choice. Yeah. yeah
3: that's not a There's g- no space
0: right. in your world mm-hmm. to do anything other than that.
3: Right. Right. And right. it was okay. I mean, I felt that that's what I had to do and I I didn't resent it or anything. No, that's where you were. Yeah. Mm-mm. So what about Daniel? What was, what's his story with yeah, all this? So Daniel, um, he's, he's such an amazing little kid and he's really, I think, grown up a ton because of this experience. I mean, he really, to me is like an adult in a six year old body. And I, I'm sure some of that is just him, but I think a lot of it has to do with what he's experienced and, and he doesn't know the seriousness of what Maddie went through. Um, but still, just spending time in those hospital rooms and and seeing sick kids, I think he has a little bit more perspective than he probably should have for mm-hmm. his age. Um, so he you know he, in the beginning, I think we felt like he was a really well adjusted kid, was a good kid, and so we kind of allowed him to to just do his thing, and we focused on Maddie so much. we probably ignored him a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, And that worked for a little while. And then in the second year of treatment, a couple things came up at school. He was doing a few, like, attention-getting behavior type things with his teachers. And we started to realize, okay, we need to pull back and give this kid a little bit more attention. Um, So it it was kind of a – it was tough for us to find the right balance there. But I think that we worked through it. And um, I don't know. What do you think about Daniel?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think he – I agree with what you said. I mean, he was in a lot of ways forced to grow up a little faster, I think than most six year olds would be um he He witnessed a lot around um people really doting on his sister i mean yeah. the the thing that I was always concerned about going through it is people would show up with presents for Maddie and she'd go to the hospital and they'd shower her with gifts and you know toys and animals and everything and I was always very conscious of just wanting to make sure that he felt like it wasn't all about Maddie, right. you know, and that's not easy when it really was all about Maddie for that, at least for that really You could say period. that, all, you could say it to Danny
0: all you want, you know, we love you just as much and, and it's not all about your sister, but the behavior
2: that he's witnessing is it, it really was, is. Right. It was all about her. So, you know, we tried to do little things like, you know, I'd say take, take him to, breakfast, Mm -hmm. go out on a date, you know, Daniel and his, and his mom, or I would take him, you know, and so we tried, but I think, you know, there was definitely a period of time where we were, where we weren't doing that. And, um, you know, it's something we definitely, I think we learned that lesson from him. So
3: he and his sister are incredibly close and I really think it has a lot to do with the leukemia. I mean, he, Mm -hmm. I think he somehow picked up early on that he needed to take care of her and protect her and. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure exactly how it happened, but they are best friends, you know, and they're inseparable and uh, I don't know I just really treasure their relationship and I'm not sure that they they would have been quite as close Mm -hmm. had we not gone through this
1: yeah and how you know at this point where you guys are like how you know we've just been with you guys before we started this interview like 15 minutes and we and everything is talked about openly you know there's no like hush hush about any of this this is part of your life but how you know how do you guys talk about this now like do is is it even mentioned do you still have hospital visits like what is your day-to-day day experience with cancer to, you know, what, what's it like now?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's still very much part of our life. Yeah. So Maddie will go in, you know, just from a process standpoint, she goes in once a month or every other months. month to get her blood drawn and get tested and, um, you know, make sure nothing has changed. And it's absolutely part of our life. Um, people are still talking about it, asking about it. And, um, uh, we're not, we're not trying to shove it to the past, you know, um, it's part of who we are as a family. It's part of, of Maddie as an individual and her brother and we're proud of it. I mean, I, yeah. I'm proud of it. I'm, I'm proud of her and I'm proud of our family for, for what we've yeah. been through. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and that's a, I, I love what you just said because friends or family around you guys, what were the best things that people did for you? Like friends and family <laughs> and what were, and again, you don't have to use names, but most challenging things that you experienced with friends and family.
2: Well, I, I'll tell you one of the best things. Let's start off with the good stuff. Okay. I mean, we, Aaron was describing how we had just really hunkered down during those first few months. And, um, we had, um, some friends who came over one night and just called and said, Hey, can we come over? This is the Cornell, uh, the mm-hmm. small at Cornell's family. And they said, can we just come over? And, you know, and they just, I don't, they, I don't even remember what they brought brownies and a bottle of wine or something. And they just sat That's in our living room and we just talked for like an hour and we hadn't been out on a date. We hadn't done anything for ourselves and our kids were asleep and we sat on the couch with this other couple and we were so thankful for mm-hmm. them because it was we felt like we had adult conversation for the first time in months. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was this very simple thing that they said, Can we just come over and sit and talk? You know, no mm-hmm. kids, no anything. And I'll I'll always remember that as yeah. being one of the best things that
0: Well, it's a tough balance too, because I mean, I didn't know you, I didn't know you at all, but even good friends of yours, I'm sure they don't want to be in the way. Like they don't want to add to something that you have to do, but that gesture was something you needed at that moment. Mm -hmm. And it was a perfect gesture. Simple. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't need to be these grand things. Mm -hmm. So, um, I just thought that was pretty interesting.
1: Yeah. Like Aaron, you were going to say something too. Like, is it, is it, you know is this something that you would rather people just talk about, or was it
3: nice when people
1: wouldn't discuss it with you and ask you how Maddie was doing? You
3: no, know, I think we always wanted to talk about it um and our friends were just amazing um We had a good friend set up a meal delivery service well, she had friends sign up to bring meals to us like two or three nights a week. And especially on treatment days, you know, cause we, sometimes we get home really late and it was really nice to have a home cooked meal. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a huge help. And, and I think just, yeah, like having our, our support system to talk to. And then also people really helped us out with Daniel, mm. uh, the shout out to the St. Andrew families at his mm-hmm. school. Um, the moms in his class were just phenomenal. You know, if, if Maddie was really sick, They'd take him to a park after school, or they'd they'd pick him up, or whatever. I mean, it was just really helpful to have people. And then another thing, which was which was really cool at school, was um, I didn't even know this was happening, but Daniel had been being pulled out for some math enrichment programs, and he they knew what was going on with Maddie at, at home, and I guess Daniel would say to this to the teacher. I really want to stay with you, even though he was only supposed to stay for like thirty minutes. I, I just want to stay here with you. And and she said, okay, you can stay with oh, me. And he'd stay so with great. her. The rest of the kids would go back to the classroom, and Dana would stay with her for a couple hours mm. or something. You know, so mm-hmm. I just felt like people really had our back, and we didn't mm-hmm. even necessarily know it. You yeah. know, sometimes it was little things. Right, or, they were
2: tuned in to what yeah. we needed, and and they delivered. I mean, it was it was incredible. Well, um,
0: Maddie was almost two when she was diagnosed, one through two years of hell, I assume she was grumpy and pissed for two years. Was she?
3: (laughs) Yeah, she really was. Mm -hmm. And and we didn't even know the extent of it until she stopped taking her medicine. Mm -hmm. And it's going to take a good year for for all of the medicine to get out of her system. But we noticed a difference within a week, Mm. just more energy, more laughter, and, and she, she had good days during treatment. I mean, she was a pretty happy kid, but it's been pretty shocking to us to see the difference now off treatment. Those are hardcore drugs. She was taking yeah. steroids. In she the was beginning. getting really beat up. Um, that the dosage was for a 200 pound man and oh she gosh. was a 25 pounds or whatever. Yeah. Baby. Well, and I remember you said that
1: you just kind of assumed, because you'd seen she'd been on these meds her whole life, a majority of her life, that you just thought she was the kind of kid who liked to lay on your lap and watch a show, and that's just who you knew. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, she's off the drugs, and you're like, oh, this kid can move. This kid can... (laughs) You know, it's like you're meeting her for the first time. That's
2: right. Yeah, we're really just starting to learn about her personality and what's she like and what does she want to do, and that's really cool. That's neat to see it.
1: It is. So, Todd... There is something kind of special about the show that we wanted to promote. Did you want me to explain or do you want to explain?
0: Dan McCarthy has been nominated for Man of the Year through the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. So, Daniel, uh, Dan, why don't you talk to us about what this is?
2: Sure. Yeah, so um, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society has a campaign every year called Man and Woman of the Year where they nominate five or six men and five or six women uh, to run a 10-week campaign. It uh, just started yesterday, so March sixth and runs through May seventeenth. And it's essentially a, a fundraiser. It happens on a national basis. Obviously we're focused here in Chicago. And these ten or twelve people go out into the Chicago land area and raise money for leukemia and lymphoma. And um the side note of you know, they they the winner, if you will, of mm-hmm. Man One of the Years is the, just simply the person who raises the most money. But the real story here is that this probably this year will raise seven or eight hundred thousand dollars for this organization, and l l s is really one of the uh, leading research institutions for fighting leukemia and lymphoma, as we talked about earlier the you know the survival rates are so high today, and that 's really at least for kids that 's really a result of the work that l l s is doing there 's a lot more work to be done. the adult leukemia story isn't isn 't quite as good. It's still a, a pretty sobering statistic that a third of the people that are diagnosed with blood cancer or some form of blood cancer don't, don't live for five years. Mm-hmm. And so that's the fight. You know, the kids, they've got the kids sort of figured out, but the fight still, you know, is on for, for leukemia as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm honored to have the nomination this year, and, and I'm really, really excited about this campaign over the next 10 weeks. So we'll put this on our show notes as far as how to donate,
0: but do you know the website?
1: It's kind of – I was actually – I got it too because I was hoping to be able to read it, but it's one of those slash, slash, <laughs> slash, slash ones. So
0: we'll put it on our, yeah. on our show notes. We'll put it
1: on our show notes. We'll put it on our Facebook page. And then, Aaron, are you going to have it on your website
3: by any chance? And so give your yes, website. I am. And I also – so I'm a professional photographer. I do mostly children and families. During this 10 weeks, I'm also going to run a promotion or whatever you want to call it. Um, anybody who books a session with me. All of the money is going to go to Dan's campaign. Oh, my gosh. So it's kind of a win-win. You know, if, yes. you, if you need to have your family photos done, um, all your money is going to go to Leukemia Lymphoma Society. So, and, and my website is www.ekmphotography.com. Um, and just a note about this fundraising campaign, you know, I feel like the timing of it is really good for us because – we we kind of have moved past the, like, we have a really sick child phase, and now we have a survivor, and Dan and I just feel like this is what we're supposed to do now with our time. You know, we devoted so much to just caring for her, and now we have the time to go out there and try to make a difference for other families mm-hmm. who are facing the same thing, and for all the people who are going to be diagnosed in the future, because unfortunately, it's not going away, you know? I mean, new families are, are are being diagnosed every day, so.
0: Well, and I know we talked about this upstairs, but, um, you know, if if you if you would have been if Maddie would have been born 30 years ago she wouldn't have made it basically. well not
3: necessarily but i think it was 40 years ago the survival rate for her would have only been 3%. Okay. So her chances yeah, would the, have the been were not very good. very slim.
0: so basically you guys are standing on the shoulders of people who raised money 30 or 40 years ago. Absolutely. So what you're trying exactly to do right. now is that whether a listener or anybody we know is diagnosed tomorrow or in 30 years from now what we're trying to do is plant the seed so mm-hmm. you create some sense of hope for, you know, anybody from here on out.
1: So. Absolutely. Well, and like Darren said, this is the giving back phase, right? Yeah. You know, like this, this space has been, your heart has already been expanded tremendously. Mm-hmm. Obviously you've created this space. Now Maddie's on a different path where her life, you know, she, like you said, she's fully coming into herself, but that space is still there. So now you can shove, you know, right. that energy goes toward other people who are, You know, experiencing what you guys did two years ago.
3: Yeah, and we just, we're doing it for her. You know, we want her to know as she gets older, because she's not going to remember this. We want her to know that we as a family have done everything we possibly can. For, for her and, and other people like her, you know. And so we're, we're really determined that Dan should win this for Maddie. Yes. This is, it's called, we're calling it Team Maddie J because we call her – her middle name is Jane, Madeline Jane. So we, we call it Team Maddie J.
0: <laughs> so we want to invite our listeners – to yes. spread the word on Facebook and every other social means possible and to donate to this cause because I want a man of the year sitting at my table right now. I want to
3: know <laughs> this man. I can of at the least year. say
0: that I know and I'm friends with the
1: man of the year. <laughs>
3: that's, that's right. That's right. And... Everything helps, you know? Yes. They're no amount too small. So That's we right. We appreciate the support.
1: $5, $10, a $100, a $1,000. Like, it's one of those, I know that there's a lot of businesses and there's a lot of families who kind of, they budget a certain amount of money every month to give. Mm-hmm. Give what you got, you know? If it a little bit goes a long way, if everybody gives a little bit, it makes a huge difference. Does
0: Maddie have a favorite song? Or do you yes. guys have a... What is Maddie's favorite song?
3: Let It Go, Frozen. Of course. <laughs> Isn't that everybody's it's favorite everybody's song? It's everybody's favorite song. Well,
0: what I want to do is I want to close the show with that song, Okay. which I'll do. But um, do we want to bring them downstairs, down here? and yes. At least maybe Maddie and Dan, Danny and have them just... Daniel, Daniel sorry. Is it Daniel?
3: Yeah, yes. that's okay. He, he, he'll answer to He'll anything. answer to
0: whatever. Um, He's just happy to talk to that's you. That's right. So what you, uh, will you guys go get them and yeah, then we'll bring bet. them down? Awesome. Awesome. So, Daniel, okay, so just, how old know, are you? you have- I'm six. You're six? Yeah. Are you happy to see that your sister's feeling better now? Yeah. Yeah. I heard that you are a really good big brother. Yeah. It's, it's, ex- it's exciting that her port's gone. Isn't it? Yes. Yeah. What was that port anyways? Do you know anything about that thing? Is that how she got her medicine? Yeah. Yeah.
3: You you took really good care of her bud, you know. Uh You always made her laugh and smile, even when she was feeling pretty crummy. And, And remember, Daniel, there were times when she wasn't very nice to you because her her medicine made her feel so bad. Remember that we talked. You used to talk about that. Yeah. She would be kind of crabby because of the medicine she was on. Yeah. How'd you handle that?
0: I don't really know. Did
1: you just kind of go, just go do something else, or just you just kind of understood what your sister was was dealing with. Yeah, yeah.
0: So there might be somebody listening right now that has a sick sister, and since you've kind of been a good big brother to Maddie, and I just wondering, what would you say to that to that brother who's trying to help his sister? If she has bad, if she takes bad medicine for just. <laughs> understand if if she's really cranky. Yeah,
1: that's mm. good advice. That's good advice. And just understand it's not really her. It's just that medicine going to work on her body. Yeah. yeah. Helps
0: her part. So, Daniel, we're going to close out the show by playing a song called Let It Go. So will you just say, here's Let It Go.
1: Here's Let It Go. Let it go. Let them see. Be the good girl you always have to be. concealed. don't feel, don't let them know.